Hi, this is Sammy, Director of Pastoral Care, and I want to welcome you to our first in a series of podcasts entitled Lessons Learned. During these podcasts, I will be speaking with different folks who have faced fundamental issues of life that have been life-changing for them and yielded them significant understandings and insights of how to move ahead when life becomes difficult and painful. Today's guests, John Baum and Barbara Johnson, are two very special people who faced a heartbreaking situation, the loss of a spouse. In this podcast, John and Barbara will share with us how they have been able to persevere day by day in their grief. John and Barbara, thank you so much for agreeing to be here today. I appreciate your courage and your willingness to share with us today about how you have handled your grief. Let's begin with John. John, how long were you and Haida married? And what three words or phrases would you use to describe Haida? We were within uh, 40 some days of 50 years. So that's, that counts as, as 50 years, wonderful marriage. And three words to describe Haida would probably be private, private, and private. She was a very, some would almost call her um, asocial because she was just a very, very private individual. Even in, in her faith, when she, uh, when she uh, came to Christ um, at Chapel Hill, uh, no more than 15 years ago, uh, very private about that matter. Thank you. Barbara, how about you and Ross? What would be three words you would use to describe him or phrases? And how long were you two married? Ross and I were just shy of 30 years um, of marriage. And I would describe Ross as loyal, uh, hardworking, and he just taught me so much. So he's a teacher. Thank you. In both of your situations, there was uh, the element of unexpected. And when death is expected, there's usually time for loved ones to say things and do things that can be helpful to each other. However, this was not the case for you, Barb. What was that unexpectedness like for you? The pain was shocking to me, the level of pain of missing him. Um, the abruptness of his loss was, I mean, immense. There's so many emotions, Sammy. Um, but shock was the, the very first. It lasted a long time. And John, how about with you, the unexpectedness with Haida's passing? We probably had less than less than a day to prepare when when her uh, she she died following a surgery, and um, when her numbers finally started going bad, uh, two of my kids in person and one on the phone would gather together and and pray, and um, when um, when we finally had to make that uh, decision. It became our decision to take the ventilator out, and we knew we'd lose her within uh, within minutes. The nursing staff left, and it was just 
uh, three of us surrounding the bed, and my uh, my phone, my, my son from Virginia, on the phone with us, and uh, just w watching her take her last breath. It was uh, it was tough. My daughter reminded me the other day that I was very strong initially, probably the father role with with two of my kids there that look at me, I'm strong. Now I lost it later, but I, I was strong initially. I think sometimes when we do go through situations such as that, we we hear how strong you need to be and that this is the way that you deal with grief. And yet I think um, in the long run, it's appropriate to show our grief. It's appropriate to, to weep and to, to uh, lean into it, so to speak, as opposed to be rather strong and stoic and uh, maybe deny it in the beginning. Because at some point, I think the, the real grief will come out. Barb, you also had a similar situation with the decision that you had to make. And I imagine that has been probably the most difficult decision that you and John have ever had to make. Would you like to speak to that? We had the same situation. We had three days. Ross was hit by a truck in a coma, and he was failing by the third day immensely. He was never going to wake up. We finally figured that out. It was uh, The concept of that initially was hard to grasp because he just was hit by a truck, and that's all we knew. Um, so yes, we had to come to that decision of, as a family to take him off the ventilator as well. And like Haida, Ross was gone within minutes of, of coming off that ventilator. So it's a hard decision. Um, God has been good to me in that I don't dwell on it. I, I knew from the start that Ross wasn't one minute before or after that truck coming around the corner. And it was just time for him to go. So I feel grateful that um, that I didn't have to dwell on that fact. That I I didn't I didn't gnash it with teeth at at the fact that he was gone. He was gone. I mean, I was sad, and it was traumatic. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't. Um, I didn't have to dwell on that fact, I guess. It, didn't, you, it wasn't a burden. It wasn't a burden. And right. I think that's a beautiful way in which God often works for us and with us uh, as we deal with the difficulties in life. Uh, he can speak to us. He can help us navigate those tough times uh, with a comforting voice and an encouragement. John, you were mentioning that your mother died very differently, and you compared the unexpected with the expected. Could you just share a little bit more about that for us? Yeah, uh, Mom had a, a, a brain tumor, and uh, I was in Germany, and they called me home, and I got home, and, and I got to see, uh, she, I told her I had a German girlfriend, and she gave me the, the okay sign, and that was about her last awake moment, and she lapsed into a coma. So in my mind, I lost my mom then, and I did my grieving then, and I grieved at church then, and I had my communion then. And when I got the call six months later that she had, had passed, 
I didn't even go home. My, my grieving had, had occurred when, uh, when it was obvious that there was going to be no, uh, no change. I had a friend, a friend of mine that just lost his wife. And the last uh, year of her life, she was in deep dementia. And he said, John, this was the second time I lost her. And it was the same way. He grieved back then when she no longer knew who, she, who he was. And so her death was a, almost a, a lesser grieving for Joe. Mm -hmm. Still intense and still the loss, but uh, a different type. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we hear so many various opinions and thoughts about grief. Many times we hear people say, well, this is how I would do it. This is how I grieve. This is what you need to do. Or, or grief shouldn't last any longer than a year or 18 months and you should be over it. Uh, and then there's things that we hear what to say and what not to say to those who are grieving. Do you, did you resonate with any expressed ideas and views that you had heard about grief? Or were there surprises that uh, no one had mentioned or no one had said anything about as you went through your grief? Were there things that you resonated with that you had heard? Or there's, wow, I never thought this would be the way it is. I don't think people often talk about the intensity of the, of the, the sorrow. Um, for me, it was intense at times. It was debilitating at times. But it's like a wave, like, a, like a, a series of waves in the ocean. It ebbs and flows, and you come out of it. And, and once, you, once you've got time behind you, you realize that, okay, this is going to be really hard for the next maybe hour, hour and a half, but I'll get through it. So peace comes as, as you learn more about the, the ebb and flow of the grief. Um, so people don't talk about the intensity, uh, but you can't put that on somebody else when you're talking about their own grief because their grief is their own. You know, you hear that phrase, and I believe that. Um, I think that sharing how you feel during that time is important but i don't think that you have to imply that there another person's grief is any better or worse than your own it's just your own so what did you think barb helped you with the ebbs and the flows what what were some things that spoke to you that carried you through to the next low prayer people coming around me. Um, I was so blessed with all the people from church. I just wasn't alone. Um, my family, I could call my, my dad and my stepmom, talk to my kids often because their grieving is just as hard as I was. So just communicating with the people who loved me was super helpful. And I went to therapy. You sent me books. And those were beautiful confirmation of, oh, I'm not in a valley all by myself. This is kind of where, oh, oh, I'm, I'm here. That, so that was comforting. Um, so I kind of had a lot of tools that I used at first because it was so unexpected. And, and so powerful. We just don't realize the, the power that grief has over us. And sometimes I think we, we even begin to question, am I, am I 
physically okay? Am I mentally okay? Everything just seems to come into question. Uh, and it's wonderful to have family and friends there that can reassure us uh, that, that what we're going through is, is part of grief. It's unique to you in the way in which you do it. John, how about you? Were there things that you had heard uh, that happened or, or that seemed to be true? And then were there other things that surprised you as you dealt with the loss of Haida? I think it's a trite expression, Sammy, that everyone grieves differently. And, and that's so true. Uh, the one thing that, that resonates for me is that uh, your grief comes in waves. It's, Barb described that beautifully, uh, the ways of an ocean. And even now, coming up on six years, a smell will get to me, or a, a, a verse of a song, or a, an expression, or a, something outside in the animal world uh, will, will trigger it. The surprises to me, the two things that carried me the most, I knew my church was going to be there for me. I knew my kids were going to be there for me, and we were going to be there for each other. But who would have thought that Dr. Seuss, I'm holding up a piece of paper now because it, it hangs beside my computer. Dr. Seuss wrote, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. And I looked at that every day, and that reminded me to smile on those 50 years that I had and not grieve on the loss. The other real unlikely thing was a bunch of sweaty 70-year-old golf partners. I got out with my golf partners, and they knew just the things to say. They showered love on me, as, as goofy as that sounds, from 70-year-old golf partners. Uh, and the message is, uh, you, you've got to get out and do your normal stuff. And, and these guys were... Um, were heroes in my mind to get me through my, my tough time, really? very unexpectedly. Superheroes, that's beautiful. And yeah, so we can turn to Dr. Seuss in times of difficulties as well and find the wisdom from Dr. Seuss. Thank you for sharing that, that was great. So um, as we think about uh, the things that your wonderful golf buddies did and bringing you back out onto the golf course and other things you've read. What, what was the least helpful thing that someone said or did? Was there anything that you might have thought of that was like, whoa, that isn't quite doing it? Anything? Standard, trite, condolence cards meant next to nothing for some reason, for me as an individual. They, 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 um, it not, not, as, not as strong as a voice or a hug or, or something more physical. But the, um, we all send the, the cards and they all say the same thing. That was the least effective for helping me. I've heard that too before, too, John. Um, some of the, the cards, they're well-intended, and yet someone expressed to me that the most important thing was a, a card that was just written at a very timely 
uh, moment in their life. The, I think it was coming up on an anniversary uh, with that spouse, and they were thinking of them and, and just remembering uh, how it might be a difficult time for them. So something other than just the trite comments and the cards, but making it a very personal note was very helpful. Barb, did you have anything you wanted to add on that? or When I got back to work, I'd have coworkers talk about their grief stories. Mm-hmm. And early on, it was like, it didn't really matter to me. But I had to stop and just talk to myself and say, they're just trying to share and be intentional with you right now. So I needed to be intentional with them and let them tell their story and not be annoyed by it. Because initially, I wanted to be annoyed because... Excuse me, it's not the same. <laughs> it was one side of my brain, but the other side is like, let's just have grace. They're being gentle with you right now and, and sharing with you their hurt. So it just was a back and forth of um, me showing grace, knowing that they're showing grace, their grace to me. So unhelpful, but helpful at the same time because they loved me and they just wanted to interact and be intentional. So it's probably important that that we practice grace as well as the one who's grieving has the grace to practice. But with uh, uh, giving a little more consideration, I think, to to you, to John, to whomever is, is, is experiencing that. But grace is always a good thing. Uh, I know sometimes when we think about the loss of loved ones, um, there, there are times when you are just encouraged, like your golf buddies, John, come on and play golf, come on and play golf, and yet there are moments when we don't really feel like I can do it. Did you ever feel that you could very uh, comfortably say, or did you, did you uh, let your family members know, there might be times when I choose to just be alone, not an unhealthy uh, number of times, but just there was a time when you needed to be quiet or just home and had to explain or just say, when those moments come and I choose to be by myself, can you understand or let that happen? Did anything like that incur or did you find that that was part of how you handled your grief? Well, I knew early on that I would need to do that. My my personality is that I need to have those quiet down times. They became less and less frequent I still need them, and I still tell my friends if I've got something planned with them and I'm having a day of grief, I, I'll cancel. And again, that grace comes in and, and the understanding that it's it's shocking now. Oh, I don't know if shocking is the right word. If you feel it too, John, it, it's shocking, disconcerting, unexpected, the, the grief bursts now to come in as intensely as they did at first. They're, they're different. But definitely having quiet time is necessary for for my mind just to sit still and chat with God about it, assess why or where I, what I'm thinking, if, if it's completely negative talk or if it's just remembering, and the remembering of the beautiful times is sucking me in the tummy. Um, so just, I, I, I need it still, for sure. And, and the family understands, or friends understand. Uh, and like you said, it's not as often, 
as it used to be. And it's, it, for you, it was part of the healing process. Yeah, thank you. Well, the loss of a spouse is definitely uh, what I would say is has to be one of the most life-changing experiences one could have. And I'm wondering if uh, each of you could just speak to what were the dynamics or what were some of the changes, the changing forces uh, that took place in your life after you lost Ross and Haida? What, what did you see as maybe two or three of the changing things, forces? What happened in that? I suppose one of the things for me would be that um, I acted like she was still there. Uh, she was not a moviegoer, so I became not a moviegoer. Um, if I ever skipped a meal feeding the barn cat, I'd say, uh-oh, she's looking down on me, and I'd continue to honor her by feeding feral barn cats. And uh, so uh, the dynamic was that uh, that in many ways she was still there. And I, and I uh, was not about to, and to this day, nearly six years later, that if I, if I violate something that was her way, I kind of feel she's chastising me. Haida's looking so down a, and <laughs> checking in. Yeah, she's stepping on me a little bit on, in that regard. But, uh, no other changes that I, can, that I can think of that way. Just to, Did you cook before Haida passed away? Or? I, I, I never did, and I'm, a, I'm pretty good at, uh, at nuking TV dinners right now. That's about as far as I go. My crock pot that was given to me is, stays empty. So no, I've... Uh... <laughs> How about you, Barb? What were some of the changes that uh, entered into your life after Ross passed? I had to learn how to pay bills. Um, mm. Ross took care of our finances for 30 years, and I had a friend come over, and she made a spreadsheet for me. We figured out how to put everything online. Well, some things were online. Um, something I had to figure out what was online, what was paper, what I had to, what was, what emails I got to remind me, what I needed to remember. Oh, I had notebooks. I have probably three notebooks that I kept of all of the things I had to keep track of until my mind remembered it all, because um, it was kind of mushy at first. Um, so I'd go back through the notebooks to, to tell me what time it was to do what, uh, what business activity I needed to take care of. So all that business stuff was Ross's responsibility, and I had to figure it all out. Um, I had a lot of help. Um, the car, I remember the first time I realized, what do I do when I need tires? I mean, I bawled my eyes out in the car. And so I went over to Eagle Tire and sat at the counter, and the man's looking at me like, what's going on? her <laughs> and, and I told him what happened to Ross and he said now don't you fret we're gonna take care of it we'll, uh, we'll look at the tires and we'll let you know when you need new ones like oh, okay good so those kinds of things that were just his responsibility um, like John my eating patterns are awful they still are after all this time so I have friends who feed me so that's a little different um, mostly it was the financial stuff I that I had to uh, to figure out. Yeah, that would be a, a challenge, I'm sure. <laughs> it's a huge and, challenge. And, and like you said too, it, your 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 concentration is in 
impacted in the beginning uh, for a certain period of time. And, and yet you have to be, for the most part, if it's just with you, you have to be able to function and to do that, which makes and adds even more to the situation. But thank God for your friends. Thank God for oh, your family. For sh- there's so much paperwork I had to take care of after he passed away, life insurance and work, getting paychecks, Oh, so much stuff. So much. Yeah. The 401ks. Oh my gosh, Sammy, it was just a mess. So a question that I would think about is with your personal crisis, with the passing of your loved one, how, how has it tested your faith journey? Are you mad or were you mad at God? Did you have um, some strong feelings about that? How has it impacted or did it impact and even today what as you look back uh, what's what's changed or been added or in that regard I, I would look at faith in, in two ways Sammy the first of all um, I can't imagine someone without faith going through this process uh, that I was able to um, to turn it over to him when it when the grieving get got heavily heavy I would say Lord it's yours take it it's more than I can handle and as a Christian I can do that and and feel that relief that he's helping me with my burden the second aspect of faith was my joy that she had after many many years come to Christ herself and I and and had she not and I remember the urgency I had when when she was weighing that, and uh, had she not, I can't imagine the, the depth of my grief and the confusion that I would have as to what space she was in. But knowing that she knew the Lord may, uh, helped remarkably. Yes, that would. What a beautiful gift. So, uh, I would ask you this question. Uh, I'd love to get your response to this, but as I've been uh, doing the grief share classes, there's a statement that comes uh, from uh, A.W. Tozer, theologian, that in it he said, and I'd like to share it, and then just get your reaction to see if, if you, what, what would be your response to a statement like this. He said, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. So my question would be, do you find truth in that, or, or how, do, how would you respond to something like uh, that statement? I, I agree with that statement. Um, I had a friend whose husband died a year before Ross did, and I thought I was being compassionate and sympathizing with her. And I told her one day how sorry I was that I didn't know. You just don't know the depths of the grief until you experience it. So you don't have that depth of understanding until you've gone through that hardship. Barb and John, I really appreciate your coming and being part of our discussion today, this part of the lessons learned. Uh, and speaking with your loss and your grief, it's, it just takes such a tremendous amount of courage. And my thought is, as we close out today, as we close out together, what would you say to our listening audience about how 
to make sense of one's grief. How to make sense of one's grief. As you think of your situation, how, how could you make sense of that? What, what is there? That's a tough one, Sammy, because for a long time it doesn't make any sense at all. Because the deep question is why? Why did it happen? Why did Ross die at 56 years old? I was 53, why? I had 30 more years. So that I expected for us to, to live out into old age. Um, so to make sense of it. Um, a friend of mine told me one day that God knows the whole, Ross knows the whole story now because he's in heaven. And like John was saying a bit ago with, with Hyde, I'm so grateful he is there and there is joy there. So the sense is I won't know until I get there. I just won't know the whole story until I get there myself. Um, and I have to just accept it, or I, I don't have to, but I have come to terms to just accept that this is God's plan. Um, I mean, that's a trite statement too, but it's true. Well, in the meantime, as we wait for that moment to come yeah. when we are there, we can look. We can look back, and like your sign says, I think too, uh, John, that you that Dr. Seuss quotes. We can we can smile for the memories and for the good times, and we can see the faithfulness of God through all of the previous time together that we lived with each other. Um, how he's blessed you with children, the blessings that you've had of um, many special moments together, uh, buying the first home or, or whatever it might be. Uh, I think those can be uh, part of knowing that you can trust and that uh, there will be a real um, sense, if you will, made of that. John, how about you? Well, maybe not exactly answering your question, Sammy, but uh, within a minute of her death, I turned to the two kids with me and the one on the phone, and I said, we're still going. And they knew what I meant. Haida and I had planned our 50th wedding anniversary with the entire family on the Jersey Shore, close to my older sister. And I said, we're still going. And it was kind of a symbol that life goes on. We're going to get together as a family. We're going to celebrate her life. And that was so doggone important. We gathered together, and we celebrated her life, and we celebrated family. And it was so doggone successful that we did it two years after that and four years after that, and we're doing it again uh, coming up this summer. Uh, it it uh, it was very meaningful. So I think uh, what you what you've just described, uh, John, is there's a sense of perseverance, yeah. of uh, of continuing. Uh, so that that's beautiful. And and as uh, people who are uh, believers in Jesus, we we know that we can persevere because of the hope that there is. In, in our relationship and in what he has done for us. I think another thing that I see, in, in uh, as I know you both well, um, I see the perseverance, and I am so uh, just so grateful to that you, you do persevere day by day in what you do, and, it, and, and I know that that's not always an easy thing to do, but, but thank you for that. But I also thank you for how you have served others. And 
especially today, because by being here today, you were serving through your suffering. It wasn't easy to come here today for you, I think, as we talked about it, and yet you have come and you are serving us by sharing the, the wisdom, the, the circumstances in which you have persevered. And that's a tremendous encouragement for us. Uh, and I, I so appreciate that. And the, the other part that I notice is that amongst you there's just a joy that you do radiate today and that you radiate wherever you go. And so I thank you for that. John. I'd like to add one thing that, that happens down the road. And it was, uh, for me, at, at about the three-year mark, it was very depressing for me to open up the sliding door of her clothes closet and see all of her clothing. And as I began to give it away to ARC, her favorite charity that takes care of battered women and so forth, there was a, a, an uplifting for me and it was a, a, a lessening of my grief. And when I, I took all of her jewelry and gave it to the kids and grandkids and the two really good pieces of jewelry to my daughter. And when my daughter and I went to Hawaii year before last, she wore them on a couple occasions. And that was a, it was kind of a symbol that, that life goes on, that others are gonna wear those clothes and, uh, and, and for me, that, was, that lightened my load, both the jewelry and the, and the clothing. And I, I, it probably comes at different time for people. I hung on to it for, for at least three years. And then a neighbor came one day, and I, there was a couple coats I had in the closet. I said, take your pick. And it was a, that also lightened my load. And that, that would help someone down the road, I think, uh, but not initially. Yes, what a beautiful way to help us heal is, is, is in the serving that we do for others and the giving that we give. And in our giving, we receive so much back, so much more back, as you've uh, beautifully illustrated. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today and for being our first podcast and sharing your story and the hope that you bring to us and give to us uh, with, with uh, the way in which you have persevered, the way in which you are just um, serving others, uh, the way in which you love others and radiate that joy. And so we thank you so much.